welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 14th of August 2011, entitled Christian Response to Callous Writing, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 28. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for our scripture reading this evening. I invite you to stand with me just to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. Word of God says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace, and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. They shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. They that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. And edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you again this evening, Lord, that we have this freedom, this opportunity, this privilege, this, uh, this time that we can come together here this evening in your house. Lord, we know that many are away from us today, and we do pray for them. But Lord, as we meet together around your word, we pray, Lord, that you would see fit, that through the power of your spirit, that you would take these words and make them alive into our hearts. You know the hearts of each one here. Lord, we pray that you would meet the need as only you can, that it would be for your glory and your honor alone. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen and amen. I need not dwell a lot on 
the events of this past week, even when we met here last Sunday evening, we would never have imagined or thought, I'm sure, of what would happen in our city. Yes, things were already going crazy in London, but we had no idea what would hit Birmingham on Monday and Tuesday uh, of this week as those things followed. But the simple truth is, is that as we look around us, uh, it shouldn't surprise us. You know, how should we respond to all this? I've mentioned already that when we went in to do the open air on Wednesday in the city center that it was very eerie. It was very eerie with uh, so few people on the streets in comparison to the normal weekday afternoon. It was eerie with all the shops boarded up where that the rioters had broken out the fronts of them and uh, simply set about destroying. It was eerie for the, the quietness and when you looked on the street that at times there were more policemen than there were people. But as I said, um, I'm amazed at how people were so receptive uh, because the darkness is great. The spiritual darkness in which we live, it should not surprise us. And, you know, I've looked at this passage in First Thessalonians and as I was praying, Lord, I, I pray that you would just give me something that, that I can give to our folks that, Lord, that would encourage them in these dark times, that would help them to realize that, yes, we need to be, as we will see here, we need to be alert. We need to be awake. We need to realize what's going on around us, but we need not fear as God's children, as children of light. There is nothing for us to be afraid of. Some people thought we were crazy to be down there doing an open air. Uh, the simple reason is maybe that's why some of them stopped to see who these crazy people were. But the truth is there were also a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ that were stopping because they were encouraged that there was somebody out there trying to give hope amidst all the darkness that was prevalent around them. You see, he said here in verses 1 to 3 of our reading, he said, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. I'll simply make this comment there. Folks, it should not surprise us at all. We look around us. The Lord has told us clearly in His Word what to expect. And the truth is what we saw was very chaotic. In the title of our sermon this evening, Christian in response to callous writing, it was callous. It was uncaring. Most of them couldn't even give you a reason for why they were out there except that they wanted to show authority, whether it would be the, the police or those that they felt were rich because they owned a business or any kind of authority in their life. They wanted to show them that they could do what they wanted to do. Some of them were asked about, well, what about these young children and what about these families that are out here on the street? Oh, we're sorry that they are caught up in this. But this is the only way that we can get our message across and be heard because we want them to know we can do what we want to do. It shouldn't surprise us as we look around because we can look many places in Scripture, and it's, it's, it's not our purpose to be scaremongers, but the simple truth is the Bible tells us that here, there's no need to write into you about what the end times are going to be like. We know that these are signs of the times in which we live. Folks, 
when people have dark hearts, when the light has not been shined into those hearts of theirs, they are acting exactly how that people will act when there's darkness. They're acting exactly. And as we move from generation to generation, you see, I believe that I'm safe in saying that there's never been a generation before us that was probably darker spiritually than the generation that we live in. Most of these young people that are on the street, how can it be that we can live in a country with such a rich Christian heritage where that men and women have been sent out around the world to preach the gospel to other people? And yet I can assure you that the vast majority of those young people on the streets, they know nothing of God. Most of them have probably never heard of one clear presentation of the gospel in all of their lives. It is a godly society. As a matter of fact, if you speak to most of them, they've never even come to a conclusion. They've never really considered very much as to whether there's even a God out there or not. How can they be accountable to something that they've never even accredited as existing? It shouldn't surprise us. He says in verse 4 and 5, But ye, brethren, talking to the Christians, writing to the church at Thessalonica here, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day, and we are not of the night and not of the darkness. I want us to see as we go on here, it shouldn't surprise us, but folks, we live in a dark, spiritually dark world, but we are not part of that darkness. We don't have to be part of that darkness. We have the light so that we can see, and that's not said in a prideful way. It's only by God's grace that we have the light that has been given to us. He goes on to say, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. You know, the simple truth is we should not be caught sleeping, not not paying attention to what's going on us around. We should be sober. We should be serious. We should be alert. We find that he tells us here that for they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober. I'm saying that we need to be alert. We ought to be looking at the signs of the times and we ought to be concerned but we ought not to fear. It's all coming about just as the Word of God teaches us that it will. And may I say to you that as we read in these first verses here, it's said many times concerning a lot of things, and we can certainly say it about this. Folks, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's not a, shouldn't be a frightening thing to a child of God, to a Christian. But as this world slips further and further into darkness farther and farther away from God. The things around us are not going to get better. We should be sober. We should be serious. We should be alert. We should be awake. Sadly, too many Christians are asleep today. They're not concerned. Many of them will be just as fearful as those that don't have Christ at all. They're afraid of what's going on around rather than looking at the Word of God and saying, well, this is exactly what the Word of God teaches us is going to happen in the time before our Lord comes. But I want to dwell there because I want to just give you a few things in the short time that we have this evening from this passage before us that hopefully 
will help you and help you to help others. To respond in the way that a Christian, a child of God, a child of the light, both within ourselves and to those around us, how we should respond to the things that have been happening, that are happening, and the things that will happen in the future. We see some things here that will help us to do that and that will hopefully give us confidence. As children of the light, we should be a confident people. We, we talked this morning as we continue through our series, and it was like part five of, of True Saving Faith. We talked about faith. We talked about what it means to truly, genuinely believe that God says what he says. Circumstances don't matter. We see illustration after illustration in God's word where that all the circumstances, everything that was visible, everything that could be seen, everything that could be touched, everything that was there was totally contrary to what God had said would be. But God's promises were and are and will continue to be throughout eternity completely and fully fulfilled. What he says he will do. We find that first of all, I want you to know that as he shows us here in this passage, you see, as a child of God, as a Christian, as children of the light, there is protection. There is protection for the Christian. He said, let us who are of the day be sober. Notice what he says next. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Again, I will not dwell there this evening. We talked much about that hope this morning. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The only thing that substantiates, the only thing that gives us hope, the only thing that allows our hope to exist is our faith because by faith we believe what God says. By faith we have a hope that is far beyond. By faith the evidence of those unseen things, we can see the unseen things. We can see that that is not visible with the natural eye, only with the spiritual eye. He says here that we need to put on that breastplate of faith and love. We have a protection against all that this world will throw against us. For in helmet, that hope of salvation, he says, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, I like this. And, and we, we, we again, we're, we're going back to some of the things that we looked at this morning. You see, in reality, we find that it doesn't really matter what we see or what we feel even to this physical life. Even as Abraham was there with Isaac upon the altar <laughs> to sacrifice his only son, Simple truth was, Brother Steve, his face said, God's promise is true. This doesn't make any sense. This is the only seed I've got. Every promise that God has made to me is based upon the seed that would come from me. And here he is, that only son upon this altar, ready to sacrifice him. But what did the Word of God tell us? His promise, his confidence in God's promise, his vision in that which was the unseen, 
was that even if he carried through with the sacrifice of that son because God told him to, God's promise wouldn't fail, even if it meant having to bring that son back from the dead again because God could not fail in his promise. He says to you here, whether you're awake or asleep, whether you're dead or alive, that's not anything. Those things are not what is going to make a difference in what Jesus Christ has done for you, what he's accomplished for you when you died for you on Calvary, the eternal life that has been given to you. Those circumstances will not affect it. They cannot affect it. What we have in Jesus Christ is eternal, and there's nothing this world can do to take it from us. It doesn't matter what circumstances we face. It doesn't matter how totally, completely that it looks to that physical eye when God has given us a promise, it is sure and it is certain. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. We have a promise that's way beyond all the rioting, all the darkness of this world. Oh, we need to let our light shine. Believe me, I'm saying to you, we should not be careless about this. We should not pretend that it hasn't happened. He said, be sober and alert and awake. And we'll see that there's some other things that he tells us to do as well. But don't be afraid. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You know, we don't have to fear for our lives. We don't have to fear for our things because we've got a promise that's bigger than all of them in our God, which has been given to us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we've got that helmet of salvation, then praise God. We know that that's certain. We know that that's sure. You see, the protection for the Christians. But not only do we have the protection for the Christians, you know, sometimes, even though we know that protection is there and we know that somehow in the end it's all going to come out, sometimes you need some comfort right now, don't you? Sometimes you need something to bring some comfort amidst all the turmoil. Notice what he says next there in verse 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do we find that the simple truth is is that there's also a provision of comfort here yes there's protection for the christian but there's a provision for comfort and that's what we are even here tonight as we come together as fellow believers we find that god has given to us well look you've all got this promise you can be a comfort one another. You can edify. You can build each other up. That's what the church is all about. That's what the fellowship, that's why we're not out there as lone rangers on our own. He's put us together in a body. He tells us, he says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. You see, the simple truth is, We've got a lot of people telling us a lot of things. And don't misunderstand by a moment what I'm about to say to you. As a matter of fact, it has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with this physical body that you're standing before you. But the Bible says, as we've looked at in recent times, God's given church. He said, okay, first of all, he's saying, comfort one another, edify one another. And then he's reminding us of those gifts that he's given to the church, esteem them highly who he's put there because we don't have to just base our comfort 
on the news reports and what the world is saying and what all the professionals are saying that are the cause of the problem and what the results are going to be. Some of those things may be true and some of them may be false. But it's we come together to edify and to build up one another, to be a comfort one to another. He tells us here, brethren, know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake. You see, not here, but in churches around the world that are facing similar problems in all kinds of places, God has given us something. That preacher that stands there is just a mouthpiece for God, hopefully. Hopefully he's God-called and he's God-ordained. But the simple truth is we've got a different message, <laughs> and we can thank God for that. We should thank God that he's given us someone. And you know what? Even as we gather here this evening, there are brothers and sisters in Christ around this world this evening. Some of you have been places in your own Christian life in the past when the simple truth was you didn't have that fellowship of brothers and sisters around you. You felt like that you were all alone. You didn't have pastors and elders and deacons and those that God has placed there to help you, to help you through these things, to give you the real story, the real truth that's there. But God has given those things to him, and we do have that. And he says that we should be grateful for that. It's a provision for our comfort. Notice there he says in verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. But then notice what he says, Comfort, again, the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Some people are going to be weaker than you. Some are going to be stronger than you. The truth is we should be a comfort to all that we possibly can. And, you know, this simple truth goes not only to us, but to those that are outside, those that are afraid. The comfort we can bring to them is there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. The message that we have right here is one that is a message of hope that we can take to them. There is more than that. You don't have to be part of that darkness. You don't have to live in that darkness. We can invite them into the light. You know, he tells us here in the first part of that verse 14, we have something else. Protection for Christians, provision of comfort, but there's also a proclamation of caution here. What, what did he say? Warn them that are unruly. Warn them that are unruly. Well, the simple truth is we'll, we'll see as we look on down, that doesn't mean that we go out there and take the big stick and tell them how ungodly they are and how righteous we are. We wouldn't be acting like that. No, we are to give them warning. Sin is accountable. Sin will be paid for. We need to take the message to them. You know, sin is the root. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But you know, in its primary context here, he's not talking about the unruly out there, but he's talking about the unruly in the church, I believe. Even within the church, there are those that are feeble-minded, that are fearful, those that are unruly that don't want to listen to God's way. He's telling us that we've got to be there for, for each other, and we've got to be, yes, we've got to, to, at the same time that we are providing comfort, we don't avoid the truth. We proclaim a message of caution as well against going contrary to God's Word, against doing that which is contrary to our Lord. And in all this, notice that their patience are crucial. Patience are crucial. <laughs> What does he say there again in verse 14? Support the weak, be patient 
toward all men. Patience comes easy for some people. For some, it doesn't come so easy. Remember, the Bible says tribulation worketh patience. Patience is something that comes through us from within. It's not something that is just natural with the flesh. Most people aren't naturally real patient in the flesh. There comes a point when they just, you know, they become impatient. The Bible is teaching us here, and I believe that truth goes right through. Patience are crucial. You know, when we look around, if we're going to comfort one another, if we're going to proclaim that message of caution, by the same token, we need to, we need to be having patience. We need to be patient with those that maybe are not as strong, those that are struggling, those that don't understand it. Speaking the truth in love is what it says on our sign out front. Notice which goes right along with that, what he says in verse 15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. You see, we need the prevalence of constraint. The natural thing sometimes, what if, if that had been your car that had been set on fire and torched? Or if that had been your place of business that had been smashed in? Or as some of these, we saw places of business that have been there for generation after generation after generation that suddenly is totally wiped out because of a callous crowd of rioters that didn't care. Totally wiped out. What do you think is our natural reaction? <laughs> to get even. <laughs> to pay them back. To even up the score. But the Bible is telling us here not to repay their evil with evil. He says very clearly, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. You see, it's not easy, but I'm saying to you, everything that is destroyed around us, it's all temporal in the end. It's all temporal. And when it comes in the weight of eternity, it's all pretty worthless. No matter what value that man may put upon it, are the things that are most valuable to us naturally. Should our family be valuable to us? Should we do what we need to do to protect our family and to protect those those things, yes. What the Bible's saying here is that don't go out there and do evil for evil to get rid of them. Just because they've done that, you need to do what's right, what's good before the Lord. To the brethren as well as to all men out there, leave God to do the getting even. Leave Him to even up the score. Because He gives us very clearly in these next verses, in verses 16 to 22, you see we've got protection for Christians here. We've got provisions of comfort. We've got a proclaiming of caution. We've got patience that are crucial. We've got prevalence of constraint. But I want you to notice, sixthly, the principles of conduct. This is what they should be seeing from us. First of all, in verse 16, rejoice evermore. And you've got to keep this in context. This is, this is bad times. This is dark days. And yet the Bible is saying, keep on praising the Lord. <laughs> keep on rejoicing. How do you rejoice in the midst of such callous rioting and destruction that's taking place around you? How can you rejoice amongst all that? 
because we've got something beyond that, folks. We're not rejoicing. He's not wanting us to rejoice that these people are out here in their darkness. He's done everything in his power to bring them into the light. Jesus has gone and died upon the cross. The Holy Spirit is there working right now in the days that you and I live. He's given us the responsibility to take that message, to take that light to them, to let our light shine amongst the darkness. He's not saying rejoice about what they're doing. Oh, but we've got so much to rejoice in. We've got so much to rejoice in, and it's not the temporal things of this world. People should see a, a contentment in us as Christians. They should see a peace, a joy, a happiness that is beyond all these things, even if it's our own things that are being destroyed. 17, pray without ceasing. Boy, stay on close communication terms with the Lord. Know that he's there. Pray without ceasing. You know, I've, I've, I've said this many times, and I'll say this and we'll move on. You know that we don't go around all the time with our eyes shut and our head bowed and our hands in a proper mode of prayer 24 hours a day. But folks, praying without ceasing should be a part of our lives. The fact that we should always be in contact and in communication with our God. You see, I've used this illustration before. It's just like, you know, my wife and I can, can walk down the streets hand in hand. Well, we're not necessarily talking every second of that time back and forth and literally never stopping, but the contact is there. The presence is there. I don't have to start getting things sorted out to go find them where they're at and to get a bunch of things out of the way so I can get to them. The simple truth is if I want to communicate, all I have to do is speak, and she's there or vice versa. We should always, always be in communion, hand in hand with our Lord, communicating with Him. When something we see and we don't understand, ask Him about it. When you're troubled with something, when you're, when you're struggling with having the right attitude, talk to Him about it. He knows your heart. He says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In verse 18, <laughs> tough one, isn't it? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. You know, whatever the circumstances, if God had wanted you somewhere else, he could have had you somewhere else. Now, I, I can go even stronger than that. It's not that he could have. If God had wanted you somewhere else, he would have had you somewhere else. We saw this morning. May I remind you again, when we looked at that hall of fame of faith there in Hebrews chapter 11, we saw all these things that were accomplished and all these things that, you know, the, the mouths of the lions were shut and, and, the, and the fire couldn't touch them and the, and the seas were parted and, and people were brought back from the dead and all these things. Many times those Christians, they were brought through the impossible and all that that was there to destroy them was kept from even touching them. But then he goes through. And he tells you about all those that were persecuted, destroyed, and it cost them their lives. And yet, it was their faith that got them through that. We've mentioned all those great martyrs, those martyrs that literally, upon pains of death, they had to stand there and proclaim their faith. Many of them went through tremendous torture. They were, they were burned at the stake and all this so that you and I, would still have that truth passed down to us today. Why? Because their faith 
It went beyond those flames. It went beyond everything that they could do through them. It went way beyond that because they could see the unseeable. They knew that God was there and they knew that God's promise was sure. Give thanks in everything. Well, this is the will of God. What you need to be asking is, Lord, what have you got me here for? What are you wanting to do with me amidst all this? Is there some special place that my light needs to be shining? Is there somebody that my joy needs to be overflowing to them? Is there somebody that I specifically need to be praying for or maybe even praying with? Give thanks. There's always things, and I'm, I'm you see, I, I, yeah, it's always. We can always think of the good things. We've got so many things to be thankful for, but he's going way beyond that here. He's saying to give thanks in everything, the good, the bad, the terrible, whatever, because it's God's will. God has you there for a reason, and God will accomplish something through you. And sometimes people's faith has meant that at that point in time, they may have gone through horrible, horrible things. And for some of them, it cost them their lives. But you see, our promises are beyond that. We've got to see beyond that. We've got to look beyond that. Just as when Jesus Christ, the Bible says that, you know, he didn't enjoy the cross, folks. He endured the cross. But it was because that what he could see beyond the cross, even you sitting right here tonight, because of what was beyond what anybody could see at that point in time, thankful in all things, quench not the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is there with you. To quench it means, you know, to, 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 to douse him, <laughs> to, to not let him have his way. We've been talking in recent times about being, being filled with that Spirit and yielding ourselves to the Spirit and God's Spirit working through us, doing what we can't do, being what we can't be, making us what we could never be. Don't try to hold back what God wants to do through your life. We sang this morning, this evening about needing the power. That power only comes from the Lord through him. That power is within each and every one of us as God lives there in the person of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, despise not prophesying. Have you ever been to a place in your life when if you were really, really honest, you knew what was going on. You knew how you were reacting to it, how you were responding to it. You didn't really want to hear what God had to say about it. <laughs> He's saying, don't despise what God's got to say. Don't despise the prophesying, the teachings, if you would, of what God says. God uses different ways. Yes, in times He's, he's used verbal prophecy. We have the prophecy of God right here before us. This is a proclamation of His Word. Despise not prophesying, but notice what he says in the next verse also. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. You need to test it. Just because somebody says they're saying something that God has said doesn't mean that God said it. You're responsible for what God has said in his word, not what some man has told you that God said in his word. Test all things. Prove it. Hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast that which is really of God. He says, abstain from all appearance of evil. You know, amidst this darkness, 
We don't want people not being able to see the light in us. Abstain from all appearance of evil. There shouldn't be those things in our life that would give them the opportunity that would destroy our testimony, that would keep us from being able to be what God wants us to be. You see, there's protection for Christians, provision of comfort, a proclamation of caution, patience that are crucial, the prevalence of constraint, leaving God to do what He needs to do, the principles of conduct in our lives. These are simple principles that God has given us that work because God says this is what it ought to be. And boy, I love what he leads up to. He says there in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these things are going to happen in our lives, it's going to be God. It's not going to be us. Does God live within us? Do we have that protection that we have as the children of light? If he really is, he's the one that will bring about this sanctification, this separation, this us being different from the world around us, that God could be seen in our lives. It's not our power. It's his power. And he gives us the seventh and final thing I want to give you here in verse 24. Boy, I promise with certainty. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You know that God's called each and every one of you to salvation and to service. God's the one that's called us to respond in the manner that he's given to us so simply and clearly here. And if we let him, God will do it through us. You see, the days are dark. And it's dark because of the darkness of people's hearts. You know the easiest way to have patience with them? is to have the same compassion on them. All those people that were out there, I can tell you, in my flesh, I would have been tempted to do some things other than what I see here in this Scripture. But the reality is, why are they doing what they're doing? Because they're in darkness. They're in darkness. If you saw a, a blind man that couldn't see, and he's walking and, 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 and he's out there in that world, and maybe as he walks along, he, he steps on something that is one of the most precious things you own in all the world, and he breaks it. It's kind of hard to be upset with him if he's blind. He couldn't even see it in the first place. We look at the world, realize, folks, their hearts are dark. There's no light there. The thing they need more than anything in the world is Jesus Christ in their lives. And where are they going to see it? They're going to see it in your life or my life, the life of our brothers and sisters in Christ, if it's going to be seen. He says that we are the light of this world. We're the children of light. We need to be letting that light shine. Society is acting exactly the way that we should expect it to act in these days that we live in. As you take God away from it, as they are working in total darkness, then that's exactly the way that we should expect them to. But you see, be reminded here. As Christians, we're not part of that darkness. We have the light. Too many Christians are sleeping and not paying attention. 
We can't just pretend that it's not happening. We need to be alert, he says here. We need to recognize the days that we're in. We need to recognize our Lord is coming soon. We have little time to accomplish that which will matter in eternity. We're not to be fearful. But we're to respond to these ways in a clear way that's been set apart for us here. As a child of God, remember, you've got all the protection that you need. Put on the breastplate of faith and love that he talks about there. And for the helmet, that hope of salvation. He's given you that. Now, if you're not a child of God, you've got plenty to fear. <laughs> There's only one place to start, and that's with Jesus Christ. Because nothing else here really matters if you don't start there. As children of the light, provide comfort one for another. Within the church where the God has given you and in the world around you. Thank God for the spiritual leaders that he's, that he's given you to instruct you and to build you up in the faith. It's not that we're saying that it's all false, but if folks, the world's instruction is not the priority in our lives. It's God's instruction. Thank God for being in a place where that we can find comfort one with another amongst God's people through his word. Yes, proclaim a word of caution to the unruly, to those that are going contrary to what God has said. And yes, we need even to warn the unruly world around us. We need to be there for one another, to warn one another. Have patience toward everyone. That's only by God's power. It's only by God's power that any of us have hope. We're all right, unrighteous within ourselves. Matter of fact, the Bible says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. But in Jesus Christ, that's where our righteousness can be found. Don't be unkind to those that are fearful and weak and struggling, but be patient and do what you can to exhort them, to build them up, to help them. Let constraint be the prevailing rule in your life. When you're looking at those around you and the evil that they're doing towards your brethren and towards all men, the Bible says, don't get your heart set on getting even or settling the score. You do what's right. Leave God to settle the score for you. Let the principles of conduct that he's laid out here, they're given to you by God through his word. They're yours through the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let them be the ruling principles and practices in your life. Remember, His promises come with absolute certainty. He hasn't called us to a life in Christ, to a life as a Christian and a, and a life of Christian service in order for us to fail or to leave us laying out there somewhere beside the road. He's the one that called you to salvation. He's the one that's called you to service. And he's the one that's a promise to accomplish the work that he's called you to. Praise God. He will do it. We might be saddened. We might be concerned by the callousness of those around us, by the destruction that they bring. But as we, as the children of light, as we respond to it, and as we respond to them, let's respond in the way 
that God would have us to respond, as Christians ought to respond, because it's really in that that there's any hope for us, that there's hope for the society around us. He is our protection. He is there with us. And I pray, I pray that amidst all this darkness, I pray that there's at least a few of the children of light in this dark city that'll let their light shine, that can be a beacon of hope, that can be a comfort one to another, yes, but that can be a beacon of hope to the world around us. They need Christ. and They need him desperately. And Christ is the only thing, truly, that is going to change their lives, that is going to change society. We can change all the rules. We can change all the things we want. But as long as they're living in darkness and they're acting the way that the children of the dark will act. Father, we thank you for our time together this evening. Thank you, Lord, that we can look into your word. And Father, I know that these days of uncertainty as we look about us, that it's easy. It's easy to feel troubled. It's easy to sometimes even allow fear to begin to creep into our lives, all the uncertainties. Oh, but Lord, help us to look beyond that. Help us to stand firm on your promises. Help us as children of the light to make a difference. Lord, may this be a time, Lord, we know that you've got us here at this time, at this point in history, in the place where you have placed us for a reason. Help us fulfill your purpose and not our own. I pray, Lord, that in this city of ours, Lord, that in these days ahead, that you would help us to let the light shine so brightly, Lord, that others would see it, that they would see a hope amidst all the darkness, Lord, that they would turn to that beacon of light. Lord, we know that you're there with outstretched arms for all that will come. We pray, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would use us in some way to help them find the way to you. For it's in Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.